0: You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is leading the push to pass legislation to address police brutality and racial injustice. And this week, she introduced new legislation intended to lower health care costs and expand protections of the Affordable Care Act. Speaker Pelosi gives us an update on these issues and her continued efforts to address the health and economic needs of citizens due to the coronavirus. Let's listen. Good afternoon. I'm Bob Costa, a national political reporter at The Washington Post. I'm joined today by House Speaker Nancy Pelosi of California. She is the nation's top Democrat who's leading her party's push on police reform, health care, and oversight of the Trump administration. Speaker Pelosi, welcome back to Washington Post Live. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. My
1: pleasure to be with you.
0: I appreciate your time on this important and sad day, one month since George Floyd, an unarmed black man, was killed by a white police officer in Minneapolis. We'll cover a lot of topics today, but let's begin there, Speaker Pelosi. The House is voting today on your bill, the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. It's a, an expansive bill. How many Republicans do you expect to join you?
1: I have absolutely no idea. I'm the last person to ask how many Republicans will vote for a Democratic bill, but I am proud of the consensus uh, that we have in the House Democratic Caucus. This is an historic day for us. We began this morning on the steps of the Capitol, led by Karen Bass, the chair of the Congressional Black Caucus and chair of the Crime Subcommittee of Judiciary, along with Jerry Nadler uh, and members of, of the House Democratic Caucus, to uh, uh, present. Uh, not only the legislation, uh, but a perspective on why it was so important. So we may get some Republican votes. My understanding is that the White House is whipping against the bill, which is unfortunate, but we'll pass the bill.
0: Speaker Pelosi, the protests continue nationwide about racial injustice, calling for political change. Will this piece of legislation satisfy the activists in the streets
1: this legislation addresses the concerns that they are expressing and aren't we proud of them uh, so many people tens of thousands hundreds of thousands day in and day out week in and week out i'll just say it this way uh when george george's brother came to testify uh, before the judiciary committee and i was meeting with him before He said to me, Madam Speaker, uh, for George's daughter so that his name will be always remembered, uh, will you name the bill after George Floyd? I said, I'll recommend that to the Judiciary Committee and to the Black Caucus if you believe that our legislation is worthy of George Floyd's name. And he said, we do. And they did name the bill for George Floyd. So yes. I think it addresses the concerns of the family and those in the streets. It's not the end. There are many other things we want to do and other bills that we will bring up. But in terms of justice and policing, this is the appropriate measure.
0: Speaker Pelosi, you say it's not the end, but you also said Republicans, the White House, are whipping against your bill. Mm -hmm. Is it perhaps the end for significant change on this front? In Congress, at least until after the election.
1: Well, I certainly hope not. Uh, I do think it's time for the Senate to sit down in a bipartisan way and come up with a real bill. Uh, what they had presented took some of the language from our bill. That's nice, but completely defanged uh, the action contained in the bill. It did nothing, and so it was irreconcilable. You you go to conference to reconcile bills, but when we saw what they had that couldn't happen, but they can now work in a bipartisan way uh, to put something together uh, that could be acceptable. I don't think the street will accept no action, but we cannot You say, oh, the, the, why don't you compromise? Well, we don't want chokeholds. They allow chokeholds. What are we gonna compromise in the number of chokeholds? This is irreconcilable. Some things are just, not reconcilable. That's it.
0: Beyond the Confederate statues and paintings in the Capitol, which you've taken the lead on addressing in Congress, should art depicting slave owners, including our nation's founding fathers, come down in the country?
1: Are you talking about the patriarch of our country, George Washington, the author of our... Declaration of Independence, Thomas Jefferson, no, I don't think they should come down. I do think, though, that in the Capitol, where we have members of the Confederacy who served as Speaker, their paintings should come down. I do think that in the Capitol, where we have statues of the President of the Confederacy, the Vice President of the Confederacy, along with what they said uh, about uh, people in our country, I think they should come out. So it's not about one issue of, of at the time did they own slaves. It's about what did they do about it. And, uh, and then in terms of the military bases, these, had nothing, these bases were named years after the Civil War. Uh, they were statements of white supremacy. Those names have to go. Even if they're not named something else, their names have to go. I think the president once again is on the wrong track by not understanding uh, that you don't glorify white supremacy uh, in our country and have it be perpetuated once it is
0: uncovered. So then to follow up what's your message to some activists who say the founding fathers there needs to be a reckoning of some sorts whether it's tearing down their images or just having a conversation how should this nation handle the issue of slave owners and our founding fathers moving ahead?
1: Well, I'm very concerned about slavery in our country. I think it's a a, a sin. I also am concerned about what happened uh, to Native Americans in our country. So we have a a list of grievances that are part of uh, the early uh, years of our country, and we do not want that to be continued by glorifying any of the people who perpetrated of those injustices. I would say, rather than tearing down and defacing, why don't we just have a review, have a review in terms of, let's take it down safely, so that we're not hurting anybody when the statue comes down or costing more money to uh, to get rid of it or get rid of the defacing of something that might not, maybe shouldn't have been. But I, I, I think that I this, I'm all for it. Let's review this. Why are we glorifying uh, the sins of the past? But that doesn't mean that because Thomas Jefferson or George Washington or others, were uh, slave owners, uh, that we should undermine uh, what they did for our country. These Confederates, Jefferson Davis, Alexander Stevens, they committed treason against the United States in the name of slavery. I think that's a different story. But you know what? Subject everything to scrutiny and make a decision. Uh, But I do think we should do it in a safer way rather than a more dangerous way.
0: Speaker Pelosi, let's turn to health care. Republicans keep fighting President Obama's health care law. And now you're moving forward with your own bill to expand health care coverage. How has the pandemic, in your view, affected that debate over that law and the broader health care debate?
1: Well, the pandemic, of course, points out the further need for making uh, it more affordable and more accessible. As you know, or you can read about it, uh, when we passed the Affordable Care Act it was named the Affordable Care Act because affordability is about accessibility and that's what was very important. We can do more, we can do more, and that's what we're doing in this legislation is to increase the, no- the number of people who would have access to subsidies, to expand those who would be on uh, Medicaid and really so sad that some states would not even accept 100% coverage of the medic- match for Medicaid so that people would have uh, access to health care. So when you have a pandemic and you have people avoiding testing because they don't know if they can afford any treatment that might be necessitated because of that, you're not doing the country any favor at all uh, to follow your ideology at the expense of the good health of the American people. And you imagine Right now, today, the White House is presenting their briefs before the Supreme Court to do away with a pre-existing condition benefit, to do away with issue access uh, to quality, affordable health care for 20 million people, to do away for benefits for more than 125 million families, maybe 150 million families, to do away. I mean, there may be 125, 30 million families with a pre-existing condition. Right now, White House is in the in the Supreme Court saying we're going to take down that benefit. And while we're at it, we're going to take down the uh, the we, we eliminated the uh, the cap so that people would not be uh, confined to a cap on on the insurance they would receive either annually or lifetime cap. Forget that. So if you have a child who's born with a pre-existing condition or a family member. You want them to have the access, pre-existing condition benefit, and you don't want them limited by any cap in that coverage, because those caps, they go very fast.
0: Speaker Pelosi, the bill does not include a public option. Would that still be yeah. uh, of interest for you to pursue in January? Oh, yeah, Should- we have
1: we have a present option, uh, the option for present option in the Affordable Care Act that states, could implement their own public option. I myself wanted a public option and the bigger bill we had in the House, we didn't get it uh, in the Senate, but that doesn't mean that that isn't possible. I think that it, that the competition that uh, that springs from that uh, and the opportunity that springs from that is something uh, that we should have. And that's what elections are about. We can't wait, and with 131 more days, seven hours, 15 minutes, pretty soon. (laughs) (laughs) And so so we're putting together legislation, and this is one piece of it, but other legislation uh, that will be ready. We're not measuring for curtains, drapes, whatever you call it, but we are going to be ready uh, when that beautiful opportunity comes. But in order for that to happen, people have to know the difference that it will make in their lives. In 2018, our agenda was a simple one and a victorious one. 40 seats, 30 of them in Trump held districts that Trump had had won for the people who we were going to lower the cost of health care by lowering the cost of prescription drugs and preserving the pre-existing condition.
0: And all of this debate over the importance.
1: And then secondly, we've got lower health care costs, bigger paychecks by building infrastructure in a green way. And we do that Tuesday, Wednesday, and perhaps Thursday of next week. Cleaner government, lowering the, the uh, oppression of some of our voting laws. Today, the anniversary of, of this unfortunate Supreme Court decision, gutting the Voting Rights Act. And that was in H.R. 1 uh, to renew that. H.R. 4, we did it again on um, uh, passing H.R. for Voting Rights Act. And the manifestation of that better government is the George Floyd Justice in Policing Act. So we have all three aspects of our agenda once again appearing uh, in the next several days. And that's what we're
0: talking about.
1: Hmm? I'm sorry. Indeed.
0: All these issues. Speaker Pelosi, for a moment on the coronavirus, there's a spike nationwide, including in your home state of California. Who is to blame?
1: 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. uh, But what's the use of blaming? Let's, Let's pass the HEROES Act where we have an answer. Testing, 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 tracing, treating, isolation. There is a plan there to do that. And to have the resources uh, to reach out to this is a, get, a justice issue. Overwhelmingly, people of color have suffered in a disproportionate way by the coronavirus. Why? Because they haven't had access to testing, tracing, treating, and isolation because they don't live in situations that would lend themselves that well, except under a regimen. So uh, the delay. The denial that the president is a hoax, it's going to go away magically, a miracle is going to happen, we'll be in church together by Easter, Cost debt. So again, we'll have an after-action review about him, but what we have to do is go forward in a very positive way, and we have that in the HEROES Act that is sitting right there on Mitch McConnell's desk, along with honoring our heroes, State and local government, as well as uh, putting more money in the pockets of the American people with with uh, unemployment insurance and direct payments and, and resources to have vote at home for those who choose to do that. Do you want to tell you something My about friend, our hero, Zach, <laughs> that you should know? This is really important. I would love
0: to have a status update, sure. Yeah, well, here's the thing
1: you go to your computer, whatever, go to speaker gov slash heroes act go there and look up any place you've ever lived going to school where you have relatives friends and all that, and see how much money is going into those communities in order to cover their outlays for the coronavirus their expenses for that and their loss of revenue because of the coronavirus and you see all of that money all over the country Regardless of the size of a township, a city, a county, states, of course, look at that—it's—it's it's remarkable. It's going to help all of those entities balance their budgets by the end of June. And realize this: Are you
0: talking with the treasury secretary half, about this? No, you haven't finished.
1: It's one half, one half of the cost of the Republican tax scam. That they passed in 2017, adding $2 trillion to the national debt, no stimulus to the economy, only debt heaped on our children, and this is one half of that, and it helps across the country. Look it up, and you'll be dazzled by it, and then just think, this caused half of their tax scam, gave 83% of the benefits, to the top 1%, with no benefit to the rest of us. Just want you to know that.
0: I appreciate that, Speaker, and I didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> We're all doing the best we can in this Skype era or whatever we want to call it during this pandemic. I, just to follow up on that point you just made, are you in touch with the Treasury Secretary about another round of stimulus? You've been able to broker deals with him before. Uh,
1: my, largely our communication is, uh, shall we say, more general example right now uh, but they know they're being communicated by mayors and governors democrats and republicans across the country about the need about the need for the, the honoring our heroes in the uh, state and local government they're being they are hearing from scientists that we need to test trace treat and isolate they know from the chairman of the fed and they even know by the uh, Secretary's own statements that if we do not act, we are going to have a bigger economic problem in our country if we do not invest now in putting money in people's pockets. And, and even the chairman of the Fed said, oh, state and local government, they create jobs and they provide services. I recommend that uh, to, the, uh, to the Congress. Uh, so this is self-evident. They'll come around. They know they have to do it. Unfortunately, they are uh, putting doubt in people's mind as to when. Uh, but we're going to make sure everybody knows why it hasn't come sooner. And uh, we actually have a piece of the Heroes Act on the floor on Monday. We can do it that way too. But anyway, no, i have not had communication directly with the secretary on this, uh, but they know that they have to do it. And we've gotten a lot accomplished without having to endure certain conversations just by, shall we say, uh, what's in the public domain.
0: Speaker Pelosi, you certainly watched all the testimony this week about the Attorney General, about the Justice Department. After digesting what you have heard and talking to your members, do you now support at least the consideration of impeachment articles against Attorney General William Barr?
1: 131 days from now, uh, we will have uh, the solution uh, to many problems, one of them being Barr. Anyone who saw that testimony will know that Barr is a mess. It is a disgrace to the Department of Justice. I've been talking about that for a while, and last year around this time, uh, we had a, a motion on the floor to hold him in contempt, civil and criminal contempt. Uh, So he is contemptible. There's no question about that. But at this point, let's solve our problems by going to the polls and voting on Election Day, 131 days from now.
0: Following up on this idea of accountability, Ambassador John Bolton has this book out. He talks a lot about uh, Attorney General Barr, a lot about President Trump. He's refused to testify before. Would you like to call him this summer to hear from him on, on the record? under oath?
1: Well, my, I consult with my chairman about how they want their committees uh, to approach different problems. But he, too, is a disgrace. He chose money over patriotism. He decided to hold out to sell his book rather than provide what he knew would be so about the uh, problems of the president of the United States. How can you characterize them? They're so, so varied. But the fact is, is that then for him, because he always wants to curry favor with the far right and keep his, his connection there, he says, they well, should have called me. Yeah, we would we'd still be waiting for the courts uh, to uh, determine whether he should come before then. That, that was a good stalling tactic. Why don't you just wait until after the election to hear from me? No, we proceeded. I'm very proud. Oh, my God. Could anybody be prouder than our, man, than our managers, Adam Schiff and the others? They did such a remarkable job. But he chose the cash register over democracy in terms of accountability and transparency in government. I think Mr. it's Pelosi.
0: disgraceful. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, let's finish here on the campaign. How many seats do you expect House Democrats to gain this year? If any,
1: any, yeah, any. <laughs> I don't know how many. Um, we uh, some of the most doomsayer people uh, say say under ten. Uh, all I want to do is hold our majority, grow it, but grow it in a way that also wins uh, Senate for the Democrats, so that we're choosing our races in a strategic way that coordinates with the Senate effort when governorships. And certainly, the Electoral College—all about the Electoral College. So I'm not taking anything for granted in terms of House Democrats, because as I mentioned, 30 of our seats were seats that that Donald Trump had won in, and still retained some level of popularity. Don't ask me how or why, but that's God bless those people for uh, for their interest in in the government. But nonetheless, um, we want to be sure that we have. Uh, good solid majorities uh, as our, for our frontliners, which are people who won last time, so they come back strong, uh, that are red to blue. So many women candidates, I'm very proud of that. Uh, will enhance our number and we'll be strong. Uh, but we want to do so, as I say, strategically. So it not only wins the House in a strong way, but it also um, helps win the Senate and the Electoral College. And I'll probably never tell you how many. I think we're going to win. I'll let you know that 131 days from now.
0: I'll follow up about that. Speaker, <laughs> are you frustrated about Representative Ocasio-Cortez and her endorsement of Democratic challengers? No, not
1: at all. She's a valued member uh, of, of the Congress. Um, I think that it was sad that Elliot. Well, we don't know what the results are for Elliot Engel, but that that is in doubt. He's a very valued member, but Elliot Engel would want—he loves his constituents, he loves his district, and he would want the person who represents them to be well received in the Congress. And we will do that, whether it's Elliot or his challenger.
0: Vice President Biden is considering some House Democrats and including Representative Demings of Florida, Representative Bass, your colleague from California. I know you don't want to meddle in that process, but would you like to see Vice President Biden pick a House Democrat?
1: Well, I think it's good that he's considering congressional Democrats, including uh, members of the Senate as well, or a particular member of the Senate as well, uh, Kamala Harris. Oh, you know what? I think that I have great confidence in Joe Biden. He's going to be a great president and whoever he chooses is who I am excited about. Uh, I just, um, I, I, I love them all. I think we have a, just such a, we're so rich with great talent. Any one of them would be great, whether they're in Congress or they're not in Congress. I just have one criterion, want him to pick the person to make sure that he wins. And I know that any one of them would serve our country well as vice president, with Joe Biden as president of the United States and whatever uh, beyond that. So they're all great. Just win, baby.
0: Speaker Pelosi, will you go to the convention in Milwaukee?
1: Either that or I'll stay home in California. I don't know what the, uh, they've just put out the format for what it will be. And so if they want me to be in Milwaukee, I'll be there. Uh, but I do know that they're going to be having, uh, from what I've heard, they're going to be having the votes coming from, from uh, uh, important places in the state. So I'm thinking Golden Gate Bridge. I'm sure the Southern Californians are thinking something else. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. But I'll be available whatever. Uh, serves the purpose. I'm always happy to be home. And we have the largest delegation, you know, the California delegation. So I'll be proud to stand there with them as we announce all of those delegates for Joe Biden, for President of the United States, and for Vice President of the United States. we
0: received many Many notes from our readers at the Post, Speaker Pelosi, including one from Ellen Toplin of Pennsylvania. She hit a theme that was quite noticeable in our our inbox. Here's her question. Are you concerned that if Vice President Biden wins, President Trump will challenge the results and refuse to concede?
1: No, I don't think so. But just to be prepared, I would say, just win big uh, because he will try to question the certification of this or that. No, I don't think so. I mean, you know uh, my uh, opinion of the president. I don't have to go into that. But even with that opinion of the president, uh, I, I think that he would respect the results of an election. And even if he didn't, uh, that the hedge, henchmen around him would understand that he would have to respect the results of the election. No, I think, I, I, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm, you know, you have to be prepared for everything. I take nothing for granted. Own the ground so you turn out in a vote. Message in, with the most clarity and connection to people and their aspirations. Just. Make every day count, no underutilized resources, no waste of time, no regrets the day after the election. Just fight it out every single day, 131 of them. It'll probably take a few more days to count the votes, maybe, I don't know. But, but no regrets the day after the election. I, I, I believe that he would understand uh, the office that he holds requires him to step aside. Having said that, be prepared for everything. Hope for the best. Be prepared for the worst.
0: Final question, Speaker Pelosi. I know your time is valuable and I appreciate it. Let's say the Democrats do win big and you hold on to your House majority. The Democrats win the Senate and the White House. What would be your first priority in early 2021 policy-wise in that scenario?
1: Our first priority will be what has always been, the first priority in America's Households, healthcare, it's a health issue. It's also a uh, financial health issue. Uh, and so uh, that would be to remove all doubt that we're moving to healthcare for all Americans, affordable, accessible, quality healthcare for all Americans. But as I said before, for the people, our agenda is about lower health care costs, bigger paychecks by creating good paying jobs, in our country and having many more people participate in the prosperity of our country and uh, cleaner government. So it's they sort of all go together. But health care is a financial health a health issue and a financial health issue as well and that's why uh, it has been such a focus uh, for all of us and that's why it's really hard to understand why the President of the United States has made it a priority to go to court to, court, uh, to strip tens of millions of of Americans of their health care, making it more costly for others and the rest. It's just not shared values, but it is our value. And as Martin Luther King said, of all the forms of inequality, health care is the most inhuman, inhuman, he said inhuman, uh, because people could die.
0: Speaker Pelosi, thank you for your time this afternoon. My pleasure, thank you, Bob.